On this episode of the Athletic Potential Podcast, we are going to be discussing shoulder pain in a softball athlete. We're going to be talking about the uh, number one aspect or training variable that we try and modify to improve velocity, as well as uh, kind of the most common advice we seem to give out here at Athletic Potential. Welcome to the Athletic Potential Podcast, your place to come and get answers to your athletic development questions. We cover a range of topics all related to helping you to achieve your athletic goals so that you can experience and enjoy the athletic career that you deserve. I am your host, Dr. Mike Matthews. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of the Athletic Potential Podcast. We are back again and my name is Mike. I'm the owner and operator of Athletic Potential and today... We're going to go uh, through our normal format, which typically starts with a case, the last patient I treated prior to the recording of this episode, and then also take questions from our audience. So we're going to jump right in. So the case we're going to be discussing today is shoulder pain in a softball player. The softball player is not a pitcher, so we need to emphasize that right off the bat. That this is not a pitching, uh, a pitcher in softball and uh, therefore changes the treatment a little bit. Uh, it's a position player in softball. She's in having pain that is limiting her ability to be able to throw. It is her throwing side. And we, uh, when we initially saw her, she was still able to throw, still able to participate, but her velocities were not where they, she wanted her, where she wanted to be, or really where she needed to be in, in order to be able to be competitive, uh, and earn a spot on her collegiate team. So, uh, we did some examination, we tested strength. Uh, and when we test strength here, we use it we use specific techniques to test strength and get numbers um, so that we can be very specific on whether they have strength loss or weakness, those type of things. There's a lot of different ways to test strength. A lot of people kind of do um, what's called in the physical therapy world a manual muscle test where you essentially just kind of push against the arm and say, oh, yeah, that seems to be a bit weaker. And, and what I tell everybody is when you test using that method, you're not testing for how strong a muscle is. You're testing to see if that muscle is weak. If it is weak, then yes, you probably need to do something about it. However, it doesn't tell you exactly how strong it is. And so uh, we use different techniques. Uh, we use dynamometers, essentially give us numbers, specific numbers that we can then use and, and compare to not only uh, the, the athlete. So say it's a right-handed uh, player like this softballer, and we compare it to her left side and see where she's at compared to her left side. But we also have enough data now to kind of go off of what we would expect from uh, our collegiate softball players and just kind of rank them like, Hey, yeah, you should probably be a lot stronger than you are. So we tested for strength. And what we noticed immediately is that her right side, her right arm shoulder, uh, was not strong enough, uh, definitely fell below her left side, but also definitely below the norms of what we would consider, uh, collegiate softball players to be at. So uh, immediately we knew that we were dealing with a strength issue in the shoulder. However, we wanted to obviously look a little bit more deep and beyond the shoulder and looked at other things. And one of the other things that we found uh, fairly quickly was that she had an inability to control her shoulder blade movement. Uh, she had what we call scapular winging, which uh, essentially when we applied pressure to her arm and had her try and lift up against us with a straight arm, we looked at her shoulder blade and the shoulder blade should sit up against the rib cage. And what happened is when we pushed down on the right side, the shoulder blade winged off. And so you could kind of see it come off the rib cage pretty noticeably. And, and what that does is it doesn't allow for the rotator cuff to function well and therefore puts more uh, pressure on the rotator cuff tendons and ultimately can lead to tendinopathies and tears and those type of things. And so we knew right away that we were dealing with a scapular control issue. 
generally, posture-wise, she was great. Everything else really tested just fine, except for that scapular control, and well, as well as pain in the shoulder when we went to test and weakness. And um, to make a long examination, and again, all of our examinations typically take around 45 minutes to an hour, sometimes to an hour and a half. Hers was right around that 50 minute to an hour mark. And by the time we were done, we identified strength issues in the shoulder. We identified EMG uh, issues. That's uh, the amount of electrical activity that was going through the muscles in the shoulder. We identified some deficits there. And we also demonstrated that scapular uh, issue as well. And when we came away from it, she, she had pain in her shoulder and her pain was in one of the rotator cuff tendons. And that was what's not allowing her to throw well or to throw at higher velocities to essentially earn herself a spot. However, that was not the, like the cause. The, the tendon itself was being overworked and overused essentially because it was out of position. I use the analogy of, hey, if you're going to try and open a jar, uh, you, you crank your wrist down into this position. Those that can't see it, you essentially flex your wrist as far as you can go and then grab the jar and try to open it. It's actually really difficult because it's just out of position. Your wrist is not in a very strong position to allow for good strength to go through the hand and open the jar. And the same is true for this softball player who she would go into throwing positions and her shoulder blade would be out of position, which would then cause her rotator cuff to also be out of position. And so we knew right away we were going to have to deal with uh, some shoulder blade control as well as trying to get that tissue, the uh, tendon tissue itself to heal up. And so her, her treatment was essentially two steps. One, uh, and, and it, I shouldn't say steps, two things, two aspects. So the first was to get the rotator cuff tendon to heal and to get it, the, the, blo- the body to recognize that it needed to heal up and, and to get it stronger and to, to rebuild it, so to speak. And the second aspect was to control for that sh- lack of shoulder blade control. And the only way we were going to get her back to where she needed to be was to do both. Now, shoulder strength is important. However, I feel like the shoulder strength was being limited because of the shoulder blade. So we put her on, uh, we taught her how to, to use the, the muscles of the shoulder blade to control for the shoulder, shoulder blade, sorry, uh, mainly a muscle called the serratus anterior. And that took quite a bit of, of training in clinic, uh, hands-on teaching her positions of the shoulder blade and then sending her home and having her do quite a few reps on, uh, on her own at home. And, and she came back after a few visits and, and demonstrated really good shoulder blade control. And we also noted, and we were hoping to see is that as her shoulder blade control improved, her pain in her shoulder would go down and it did so substantially. So to the point where she was only having minor pain when she was thrown at higher intensities. Now, I believe the minor pain she was experiencing wasn't because her shoulder blade was out of position and causing that rotator cuff tendon to become irritated. I think it was because the rotator cuff tendon hadn't quite turned over and healed as much as we wanted it to. And so in order to get that rotator cuff tendon to turn over and heal, uh, and those that listen to the podcast know that I am a big proponent of uh, dry needling. I think it's a, it's a great treatment to try and get tissues that are stubborn, that don't want to heal, to heal a little bit faster. It also helps to take away pain and to desensitize regions that are more hypersensitive to pain. And so we did quite a few treatments. When I say quite a few, I should be more specific. I apologize. Essentially, we did like three treatments. Um, we did three treatments for dry needling on her shoulder. Her pain was 90% gone. And we did two treatments of motor control or motor learning for her shoulder blade. And she was able to demonstrate good shoulder blade control. And as of right now, we don't have a full return yet. She just started practices again. 
and is ramping up for season. And so far, so good. We're seeing positive improvements, and she seems to be doing quite a bit better. And uh, we haven't measured velocity in a little bit just because we've been a little bit wary of pain. But um, her, her teammates are already saying that she looks like she's throwing easier. She looks like she's throwing harder. So hopefully that's going to allow her to earn a spot. And so uh, a couple of takeaways from this case. Uh, realistically, if you have pain, and we'll get into this, in, and I believe in our first question, uh, but if you have pain at all, it's going to significantly limit your ability to be able to perform whatever it is you're doing. If you're a you know soccer athlete and you have pain in your knee or pain in your thigh or in the hip or something like that, it's going to cause you to compensate and take away from your overall athletic performance. And so pain is something that I know a lot of athletes deal with. And, and work their way through, which sometimes you just have to do that. But just know that it's typically always detracting from your ability to perform at their highest level. And so it's something that you need to address as an athlete. And yeah, so I think the main takeaway would be, look, she had pain in her shoulder. We, we had to get it to go away to get the tissues to heal up. And that helped to get the pain to go away. But also to then you always want to look for the cause. And in her case, it wasn't the shoulder. It was the shoulder blade. And as we've done more and more for the shoulder blade, we've seen improvements in her, in her performance, uh, along with that decrease in pain. And so something take those things to take away, just, just make sure that if you're dealing with pain, you got to address it, figure out a way, um, to minimize it or get it to go away to allow you to perform at the highest level. And then the second part of that would be make sure you, you're identifying really why you have the pain. A lot of times we treat pain just because it, it's what it is, but we never address, address the root cause. And, Sometimes you need someone to help you figure that out. And sometimes you can figure it out on your own. But realistically, uh, obviously, I'm a bit biased uh, being the therapist. But there's a lot that goes into good movement. And the body is really one piece. And if you look at it that way, you could have pretty substantial issues in one segment of your body. And it, it's stemming from something else. And so make sure you get it looked at or, or understand really what's going on. And I think that's going to give you the best chance of getting back to to where you want to be as an athlete. So that does it for our case today. Um, let's jump right into our questions. Now, for those that are listening, if you have questions, you can always go to the website, www.athletic-potential.com slash podcast. And there'll be a button there that says, ask a question. Please just click on that. It'll take you to a form, ask your question, and uh, we'll answer it here on the air. Uh, we answer all questions we get, some more specifically than others. And uh, like I said, you, there's an option to put an email in there. Feel free to put an email and uh, we'll respond to your question more specifically if we can. But otherwise, we'll answer it here on the podcast. So let's jump right into our first question. It comes from Ethan. Ethan says, uh, what is the number one thing for enhancing velocity in your throwing athletes? Ethan, uh, I mean, this, obviously this is what is being measured now in baseball. I mean, you, you name it. If you're throwing, if you're throwing something, velocity is a factor, right? You, you, you want to throw, um, you want to bowl in cricket. You, the harder you throw, it's going to be a good idea, right? Javelin throws. Really, if you could throw a javelin harder, you know, basic physics are going to tell you it's going to go farther. Um, uh, how hard do you hit a volleyball? You want to hit you want to get more kills in volleyball, you hit it harder, you know? So it talks about velocity, right? Hitting a baseball, exit velocities, same thing. Uh, kicking velocity. So th these are big things. Like you're asking kind of the holy grail of questions. Like if we had to work on what was the, the main thing, if we worked on that would improve velocity, what would you do it? And this is a tough question to ask or to, sorry to answer Ethan. 
in one thing. And, and those that have listened to the podcast know that my one things, I just don't like those questions, but I answer them because it does, it does make a difference to, to be able to simplify things. And I think, I think that'll lead into a little bit of this answer, Ethan. And that is, I can tell you right now, and I, and I don't have maybe a podcast for a future episode, but when I talk about improving throwing velocity, because you're asking me specifically about throwing velocity, know that this can be extrapolated to other sports and other things, but let's talk about throwing velocity. I can tell you right now, I follow a very, I hate to use the word complex because I don't feel like it's overly complex, but let, let's just put it this way. When we talk about throwing velocities, there's a formula that we use here at Athletic Potential to enhance our, our athletes' ability to throw harder. And there's a lot of variables. So the formula is in place so that we're not guessing. We're not just saying, oh, yeah, get stronger and you'll throw harder. But strength is part of the formula. Um, I will tell you this. without, Like I said, the formula is a, a bit extensive to try and cover in a short question. Uh, but maybe a future podcast we can go into this. But let me put it this way. Uh, strength is a part of that, part of the formula. Uh, the formula is built into two parts. Uh, there's the, um, what are we calling? There's the things that add to velocity, meaning if you do these things and get better at these things, your velocity will likely increase. Then there are the second part of the equation, which are detractors. Things that if are present or you are doing will detract from your ability to throw harder. And we, the original part of the equation was all only things that if you did well, then you would throw harder. And what we found is that there were a fair amount of detractors. And we started taking a look at those. And when we took care of a lot of those things, velocity increased. It's essentially, you know, unhooking the piano or uh, taking the brakes off or turning the governor off or whatever you want to call it. It just allows for velocity to, to happen if we take them away. And, um, okay. So, so let's talk about detractors really quick. The number one most important detractor from throwing velocity is pain. Uh, we talked about in our first example, right? Or a case that she had shoulder pain. She wasn't able to throw as hard. Well, it hurts. What happens when you have pain? That's another podcast. But really what happens when you have pain when throwing athletes is that essentially the muscles won't function at the highest quality as possible. Your brain's going to limit your ability to move as fast as you probably could. And uh, therefore you will not throw as hard. And so when we talk about having pain, you have to get rid of the pain. Now I can tell you in the formula that we use, uh, it, it essentially says pain squared. Squared meaning if we have pain, it's going to significantly detract from your ability to throw harder. So pain is probably the number one thing to answer your question, Ethan, at this point, the number one thing to improve throwing velocity is if you have pain, you got to get rid of it. You want to throw harder, get rid of your pain or minimize it as much as possible, right? I know throwing athletes deal with soreness and pain and aches and pains and those kind of things, right? Get the pain to be minimized or go away. And that's going to be the best chance of throwing as hard as you possibly can. So that's from the detractor standpoint, that's, that's what probably the number one thing. Uh, the number one thing in regards to the things, if you do these things, okay, 
you will most likely throw harder. Hmm. This is this is a tough one because it really isn't anything that stands out quite like pain does in the detractor side uh, on the contributing side. And in all honesty, the number one thing I think we look at is your ability, is the athlete's ability to use all of the strength and mobility that they have. So strength is a variable. Mobility is a variable. Those, those two are great, but if you don't know how to use them, then it doesn't matter how much strength you have. And we, and I call that, what are we calling that? Neuromuscular control, neurocognition. I think you use the word neuro in front of all of this, the essentially your brain's ability to take whatever it is you have and maximize it to throw whatever implement you're going to throw the hardest. If you have enormous amounts of strength, and great mobility, but have an inability to access it because of just poor motor control or learning or coordination or just, I, I mean, look at the, the, your inability to move quickly, you know, fire, those things. It won't matter how much strength you have or how much mobility you have. You just, you won't be able to use it. So I, I'd say the number one thing to improve your velocity is if you, if you, Ethan, you ask a great question. Tough to answer. Let me put it this way. If you have lots of strength and plenty of mobility, you need to know how to use it. If you don't have a lot of strength, but you have a lot of mobility and you, and say you know how to use it, you need more strength. If you have lots of strength, not enough mobility, but you know how to use it, you need more mobility. So, and, and I can tell you right now, a lot of people are like, oh, there it is. Like, there's your formula, right? So, uh, no, no, no. Like, it, what I tell everybody is that the formula has other things like rest, recovery, nutrition, um, feedback, time, athleticism, your ability to perform in the moment. Uh, and then there's a whole other side of the equation, the pain side, which is, you know, mechanical insufficiencies and other things. So, there, there's a lot to it. But, Ethan, to, to try and give you a very, very simple answer to answer your question of what is the number one thing? I would recommend to improve velocity in throwers. First thing, get rid of pain if you have pain. The second thing, make sure you're strong enough and know how to use your strength. I hope that answers your question, Ethan. If you have more specifics, just reach out to me. Like I'd be happy to help. It's definitely one of these questions that I can tell you, I mean, my last... Um, I shouldn't say my last because we talked about my last patient I treated, but one of the patients before that patient, uh, a client that I was helping with, we were trying to improve his throwing velocity. And I can tell you right now, we weren't working on anything I just said. He has no pain, so he's good to go there. Um, He's got tons of strength, tons of mobility, and seems to know how to use it. The thing that we're working on with him the most is actually just getting him to be able to be fully recovered after each throwing session. He just doesn't seem to recover well. So in his case, we taught him to recover. And uh, we've already seen improvements and his throwing velocity has gone up. So it's a great question, Ethan. It's something that we deal with daily here at Athletic Potential. And it's something that we've gotten better at as time's gone on. And we've, like I said, we, we didn't have this formula 
you know, too long ago. And now we started developing this formula. And I can tell you right now, following this formula has dramatically improved our results, dramatically improved our results. And not just in our throwers, in our position players, uh, in our other, other athletes as well. So I hope, I hope this helps Ethan. So, uh, I appreciate the question. All right, let's jump to our second question. Uh, this one is from Ryan and Ryan asks, what piece of advice do you seem to always be giving out to your athletes? It's a great question. I think it goes right along with what I, how I finished the last question. And that is, I don't feel like athletes recover well enough. And when I say recover, I think what I mean is they don't take care of the things that are the lowest hanging fruit, the easiest things. I shouldn't say easiest, the simplest things to take care of. I am constantly telling my athletes and asking them, did you get enough sleep? And if they don't know what that is, then I educate them on that. Did you eat? Did you eat well? When's the last time you ate? Like, are you eating good food? Uh, are you getting enough hydration and water, uh, electrolytes? I, I'm constantly asking that question. Uh, and in all honesty, Ryan, that's probably my answer. What's the number one piece of advice? I tell all the athletes, look, you can be a phenomenal athlete, but you're always going to be limited, always. If you don't sleep enough, you don't eat well, and you don't drink enough. Take care of those three things. And I, I think any gains or anything else you do to improve your athletic ability is magnified, is, uh, is essentially just going to be magnified. Uh, if you don't sleep well and you hit the gym really hard, the strength gains you could see in the gym are, are going to be blunted because you're not giving your body adequate time to recover and change and improve. So uh, Ryan, to answer your question, I ask the questions, are you sleeping enough? Are you eating good food enough? Are you eating, are you eating, <laughs> are you eating enough food and are you eating good food and are you getting adequate hydration? I think that is probably the number one piece of advice I give out. It's not the most glamorous. It's not going to, you know, you know, end up on quote reels and Twitter or X, uh, at this point, but for me saying that, but realistically you asked me what's the number one piece of advice I give out. That's it. Sleep, eat, hydrate, do that. And you'll see good things. All your other efforts will be rewarded. Great question, Ryan. So, all right. Uh, that is it. That is uh, all the questions we have for today. I appreciate those that have asked questions and, uh, appreciate those that are listening to the podcast now. And, um, as a reminder with the podcast, this is all driven uh, by our listeners. So if you do have questions, please ask questions. We definitely want to answer them. Uh, we want to get good information out there. We want people to be able to achieve their full athletic potential. And we're here to provide good information. And I hope I hope this podcast is helping. If you, uh, if you enjoy the podcast, please spread the word. Tell your friends. Uh, share it with them. Uh, rate and review on um, whatever uh, service you're using in regards to when you're listening to our podcast. I, I appreciate you taking the time to be with us and uh, until next time. Thanks.
Everybody, I just want to say thank you for listening to the Athletic Potential Podcast. If you do have questions for the podcast, please visit the website, www.athletic-potential.com slash podcast. You'll find a button there to ask your question. Please input your information and your question, and we will answer any and all questions we get. We thank you again for listening. If you do get a chance, please rate and review the podcast. And until next time, thanks. Thanks.